Hey everybody, before we get started this week, we just want to give a couple quick shout outs because we've gotten some listener feedback, which we love. Yay! Please keep it coming. <laughs> it's great guys, we really appreciate it. First we heard from Hugh and Sirisha, um, our first international shout out. <laughs> they live in Cove, Ireland, um, and they've been listening to the podcast together, and that's incredible. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope that we're providing some new books for you both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we want to give a very special shout out to someone who this episode is, you know, I think inspired by um <laughs> we were wondering if we should do any more Tamara pierce and how quickly we should do it it's such a huge universe yeah. it's hard to you know we're only six episodes into this new podcast so to already be redoing an author feels like a lot but we wanted to do it <laughs> and then this itunes reviewer itunes named denny berry music lover who is also a fellow madeline reviewed the podcast and said that she would love to hear some more Tamara Pierce books. So. Which I really appreciated because I was really looking, like, I really wanted to do one for a mage. Um, it's been just, like, sitting on my shelf since I moved to Seattle years ago, looking at me. <laughs> and since we've covered Alana, who was my favorite character, mm-hmm. it's only right to do Dane, Madeline's favorite character, and this other Madeline's favorite characters. So thank you for listening. Thanks for writing in. We really appreciate it. Anyone else who has any thoughts for us, any book requests, any questions at all, if your name is Madeline, (laughs) we want to know. You can find us at dragonbabiespodcast.com or dragonbabiespod on Twitter. And you can send us a message through our website or DM us on Twitter. Whatever you prefer. Thank you. And now we'll get to Emperor Mage by Tamara Pierce. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to Dragon Babies. Hello. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. <laughs> Sometimes we get a little funny with that intro, but it's okay. We're going to press <laughs> it's forward. A, it's a lot to remember. I'm Grace. It's also early oh, on a Sunday God. morning. Our brains are soft. Uh, but what better to wake us up than some Tamara Pierce? Strengthen those soft brains. <laughs> As we mentioned in the intro, this week we are covering Emperor Mage, mm-hmm. which is the third book in the Immortals series, um, written by Tamara Pierce. These are books you may remember our coverage of the first Alana book. Um, this is a different character who intersects with Alana. Um, Alana's in the Immortals series. Um, there's a lot of crossover just between they're, the people. And they're friends, lives. Dane and Alana. They are friends. Dane is younger than Alana. A lot um, like she's because like at this point, Alana's in like her late thirties, early forties. Okay. She has children yeah. already, um, and Dane is fifteen. Yeah, in this book. So we'll do a quick little plot rundown. Um, would I you like to cover it, Madeline? Sure. Since Dane is Madeline's character baby yeah she's like one of my favorite characters ever i know i say that like every book we do but this time i mean it especially uh so dane has magic like many people in tamara pierce's universe of tortal but um her magic is different because it's wild magic it's not the gift she doesn't have the gift which is you know a gift from the gods that's where it comes from that's what alana has um that's what 
uh, Dane's friends and colleagues have, but she has wild magic, which comes from the people, um, and the people are animals, uh, like beast people. Or, uh, yeah, the people in caps. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a little confusing. I, lo- I love it, though. Are the people. Um, yeah, so she can, she can talk to animals. Um, she doesn't tell them what to do, but she, since they really like her, she's really good at making friends with them. Um, she can ask them to do things, and they're almost always very happy to help, um, especially because the things she asks them to do are not, like, she doesn't typically put them in danger or mm-hmm. and she's like let's mess with the two-leggers and they're usually pretty down for that <laughs> yes two-leggers are human beings so in this book she has come to Carthag on a diplomatic mission with a number of other dignitaries from Tortal um, because the Carthaki yes yeah um the emperor uh emperor Ozorn has been really shifty He's a bad guy, <laughs> and he's been messing with Tortal through, um, like, different, like, Karthaki raiders hit Tortal. Well, they're and suspected Karthaki pirates. Y- yeah, yeah, but, you know. Um, but everything points back to Ozorn. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say quickly that this series is called The Immortals because the events within are about a period of time when the realms of the immortals and the realms of humans have lost their at least some of their barrier and immortals are interfering with human affairs because they came into the mortal realms yes um and it's probably emperor ozarn's fault yes <laughs> yeah it's vague it's an hour, people aren't really sure exactly what's going on but they suspect that ozarn mm-hmm. is involved but coming into this um situation it's important to note that the tortal people are at a disadvantage that's why they're trying to make peace is because Emperor Ozorn has a lot of resources and a protracted war would be really bad for Tortal. Dane came specifically, she was invited by the Emperor mm-hmm. Ozorn um, because of her wild magic abilities, and she's there to help heal the Emperor's birds, which are pretty much the only living things that the Emperor cares about, mm-hmm. um, and they're sick for some reason. So Dane comes in because she can talk to them and... Um, she can transform into animals as well. I don't know if I said that, but she can like be a bird and hang out with them. But she does heal them. Um, and uh, it turns out that Emperor Ozorn is still up to nothing good. There's a lot of displays of uh, wealth and just general like gluttony in all forms. Um, and it becomes apparent that the gods are very angry with Ozorn. Um, there's a drought going on, and Ozorn continues to ignore all of these crazy ill portents, including a statue that comes alive and runs down the port during yep. a, a ceremony, and Ozorn just... And points at him. Yeah. Ozorn just says, like, and doesn't Statues being destroyed it. by lightning. Yeah. Uh-huh. A gigantic cake containing a portal to a rat kingdom yeah. with rats flowing out of it. And Dane, Dane takes care of that rat problem. Yeah, too. she does. Yeah. I mean, Dane takes care of everything. Yeah, she's good at that. Oh, and Dane also always in her books has animal companions with her, which are different animals, but always a kit or kitten. Uh, Sky Song is a dragon. Those are all her names. Sky Song's her a baby official dragon. Name. Yeah, she's Someone a say a dragon baby. Dragon. <laughs> Our first dragon baby. I know it's very exciting. That's I drew it. Awesome. I drew Kit while I was reading the book, so I was so oh, excited. I love Kit, and Kit is only about two feet from Snout 
to her tail being said so she's pretty small but she has a lot of magical abilities she's really great to have around and dane can't actually talk to her um in the way that she can talk to animals but kit understands everything that's going on around her Mm -hmm. and she lets dane know how she's feeling at all times Mm -hmm. usually through whistles or turning pink (laughs) so cute she turns pink when she's angry (laughs) yeah they do communicate well even though it's not um well i shouldn't say verbally because dane doesn't communicate verbally with animals she communicates mentally with them but they can't do it in words with them exactly Yeah, they do it in fully formed, articulate thoughts. And that's because Kit is an immortal. Mm -hmm. But many, many immortals have human form to some degree, so Mm -hmm. they can just literally, they can actually speak verbally. Right. Okay, I think that's a lot of recap. Uh, Is there anything else we should say about the book? Yes, I think there's a few more things to say. Really quickly, um, her other companion is a monkey named Sequoia or Zeke. Zek. I call him Zek. Zek. Zack and Kitten and Dane are pawns, essentially, of the graveyard hag, Mm -hmm. who is the primary deity of Karthak. Yeah. Um, She is trying to create some kind of human vessel so that she can communicate to Ozorn that she's not happy with what's going on. So that leads to a, a lot of pretty wild stuff going down um she provides dane with the ability to bring dead things back to life mm-hmm. and dane through the badger god through the badger god <laughs> who is dane's primary mentor mentor yeah this is getting so complicated <laughs> this is what i was worried about with it. doing the third book in a series <laughs> but i also love being full of details like this and just babbling about the badger god i know this series backwards and forwards i read it so many times um in in the end dan prevails and goes through a pretty incredible sequence in which she brings dinosaur bones to life a tarantino-esque yeah it's oh it's incredible it's absolutely incredible and they completely obliterate the palace Mm mm-hmm and attempt to kill Ozorn, um, but he in the end escapes because he turns himself into a Stormwing, which is an immortal uh, iron-winged bird-human hybrid. A little like a harpy, but they are not harpies. No. It's that kind of like horrifying bird monster. Yeah, they thing. occupy that realm, yeah. Um, yeah, and mythologically, I think are very similar Mm -hmm. Um, but then he can no longer reign because immortals cannot have a hand in human affairs like that Mm -hmm. so in the end it all works out pretty well Um, I should we open just with first impressions revisiting the book how long has it been since you've read it Um, it has been uh, I would say not more than like six or seven years I, I reread these a lot when I was a teenager. This book is very well loved. We'll put up a picture of it um, because you I know, just... I was worried about pages falling out while I was Yeah, they're it. like coming out a little bit because I've just had this book on my bookshelf forever. Like it's probably Grace's originally and I took it. Oh, I didn't do the thing I usually do and check the date of release. But this is... Um, the second series that Tamara Pierce wrote, correct? I believe so. It was so. Alana, yeah, and then this. The Song of the Lioness, and then The Immortals. Okay, so this was published in 1995. Okay, yeah, so we probably got this not very long after it came out. Yeah, not too long after. Yeah. I mean, I, I first read this when I was in 
sixth grade, I think, okay. so I was 11. Okay. Um, and I've always just, like, kind of grabbed this book for a reread when I wanted it. It was always just a really happy... It's like watching your favorite episode of TV mm-hmm. over again. <laughs> Your favorite episode of TV. TV. <laughs> no, no. It makes it makes me feel like TV just is uh, an entity oh, of okay, itself. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm watching episode three, season of, of one TV. of TV. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Because um, I always do that with Adventure Time. I go back to my favorite mm-hmm. episodes and rewatch like when I need a boost. So it like it really reminds me of that because I've just always enjoyed going back to it. I. It, I have a different experience. I, I mean, I love these books when I was young, too, but part of this is probably just that physically you ended up with the Immortals books, <laughs> and I didn't have them. Um, but I haven't read this since I was probably 13, okay. um, and I needed to give myself a little refresher on plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, I will say, this book does operate well as a standalone story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it, it also furthers Dean's development in her totally. narrative. Uh, but I could enjoy it on its own, especially because it's set somewhere other than the kingdom of Tortol. Mm-hmm. Tortol. Um, it feels like this exciting journey. And mm-hmm. I think it's a good third book option. It's funny because the Song of the Lioness series is exactly the same. Because uh-huh. the third book is the woman who writes like a man when uh, yeah, Alana right. is with the Bashir, 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 I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, rereading I it, Bashir, yeah. rereading it, I, um, I really enjoyed it. Super fun book. Mm-hmm. The visuals are incredible, mm-hmm. and I think I also appreciated them more as an adult because when I was younger, I often was just kind of lazy about um, especially strange scenes in fantasy books where you really have to think about what that looks like because you haven't seen something like it before. Um, Something like the scene when the, you know, diplomatic party is with the emperor and they're on a ship that's raised into the air by magic. Yeah, me too. And they look out over the harbor and see the whole military fleet. It's a display Mm -hmm. of strength for um, the diplomats. A threat, some might yeah. say. Oh, absolutely a threat. Absolutely a threat. Um, and I think as a, when I was young reading, I was just like, oh, I don't like some magic stuff that's happening. I don't know. But this time as I read it, I was really struck by that scene. Yeah. It was super powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing with the dinosaur stampede. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could really visualize Dane on the back of the mammoth mm-hmm. and then the dinosaurs just throwing their bodies against these yeah. human shields. Um, And it was really powerful. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved that segment. So since this is my first time revisiting this, a lot of things I perceive very differently than the last time I read it. And one that I know was different for me and that I know you wanted to discuss is romance within the book. Grace is making a lovely gesture, being like, speak now. No. Um, yes. So I, when I first read these books, um, the first two, there's not really any romance at all. This is the third one. And, the, and I also want to say the first two books are largely, I mean, there are, are a lot of battles going on. Mm-hmm. Things are very volatile because the immortals are showing up. 
Um, but Dana's also trying to get her magic under control. Yeah, she um, so there's a lot of just frustration, mm -hmm. and she almost kills herself because she accidentally stops her heart so that she can listen to a dolphin. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that kind of stuff is going on. Yeah, and um, when she first discovered her magic, she was... Not a lot like, of room left for, you know, flirting. Yeah, she was, like, feral. Yes. She was going crazy. Yeah, she had been living with wolves. Yeah, and um, one of the most important people in this process was her teacher, Numer, um, who is one of the most powerful mages in this world. Um, and But he, he has the traditional power. He has the gift, but he's also a scholar. He's, like, super intelligent. And he helps Dane come to understand her magic and like learns more about it with her and just travels with her mm -hmm. um, and they kind of help each other with the conflicts in the past books. And he, he comes to Karthak as well. Um, it, it He was Ozorn's uh, peer, friend mm -hmm. in yeah, the past. They, they studied at the university in Karthak colleagues together. Colleagues at the very yeah. least. Um, and Ozorn hates Numeria because Numeria is better than him at magic. Yeah. Um, and Numer is very protective of Dane, um, and in this book, I think, is when it became apparent to me that mm -hmm. there was, like, something going on there, because before it had always been just, like, a, a very, like, um, you know, guardian or, um, like, collegiate relationship, mm -hmm. um, but then in this one, he, like, gets jealous when she's hanging out with the prince, um, and it's not it's more than just protectiveness <laughs> definitely and at the end of the book um i mean ozorn uses dane to advance his own plot to bring war to a head between tortal and karthak mm -hmm. and so he imprisons her and when numera finds out um that you know Ozorn says that Dane is trying to start a slave revolt and mm -hmm. all this stuff. He's like, no, something's wrong. What did you do mm -hmm. with her? Yeah. Um, and he risks his own life to go back mm -hmm. to Karthak to try to find her. Yeah. He actually tries to hit Ozorn when they talk yeah. about Dane once. Yeah. Not super intelligent, trying to hit an insane emperor with no. a lot of magic and resources. And then Ozorn creates a vision of Numera that he like physically destroys yes. which is so disturbing with magic which is really weird that scene was yeah upsetting no totally very upsetting because dane sees it she's eavesdropping at the time mm -hmm. like she's a bird as a bird yeah <laughs> dane is always around yeah, like you cannot bird, hide from her hyena she turns into a bear at one point which is really which cute which i love yeah. yeah dane the bear um but yeah so in this one it just like starts to become apparent even though Numer is like a huge he's totally a player he's like very attractive and charming mm -hmm. and he sees his old flame again in Karthak Varys Lady Varys yeah who um, you know is uh, set up for you not to like her but yeah. I don't like her <laughs> I know and she she talks to Dane at one point when mm -hmm. Dane's trying to get her out of the palace yeah. so that she's not destroyed by the dinosaurs and mm -hmm. says, you know, yes, I understand, like, you'd rather I be using my magic for something else, but I like cooking I like and taking care of the things. castle yeah, and making things pretty. Yeah, it's fair. like, yeah, everyone should be allowed that's to do cool. whatever they want. If there mm -hmm. are women in these books who don't want to go out adventuring and mm -hmm. they want to use their magic at home, then they should be able to do that. Yeah, it's fine, but I mean, it does, like, it's hard that she's, like, 
supports Emperor Ozorn by like making his parties nice. Like that's just a very. <laughs> I know, but it comes down to. I mean, you can look at the people in Karthak, and it's very interesting to see how different individuals respond to being under this authoritarian regime. Mm-hmm. Um, someone like Kadar, who is the heir to the throne. Mm-hmm. Um, who is very aware of what's going on. And he's actively being subversive. He is, yeah, he's he's a revolutionary, essentially. I mean, Mm -hmm. he, I'm not sure, I tried looking it up to see how he became connected to Tortal, Mm -hmm. but he's clearly trying to join forces. I would think that through Lintal. That's what I, yeah, that's what I thought, Mm -hmm. that it was through Lintal. He's their teacher And he ultimately marries John and Thayet's daughter to... Fully unite yeah, yeah. the two kingdoms, yeah. and he's, um, he's generally a, a good person. Yeah, he's very, he's serious. Yeah. He's very academic, um, but he's he's practical. Mm-hmm. Whereas his uncle is incredibly excessive, um, selfish, very selfish. Proud. I mean, also just as you mentioned, has no regard for human life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also. Someone like Lynn Hall, who is an academic, mm-hmm. um, but he's still doing things that serve the emperor along the way. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting seeing the different levels of cooperation. Yeah. Because yeah. they have to be careful or Ozorn's just going to kill them. Because he's always listening. He's got all kinds of spies and spells in place. And Kadar wears magic jewelry that will prevent poison yeah. from killing him mm-hmm. and, and he's, he's worried about being poisoned by the emperor by ozorn not yeah. from like you know i mean ozorn does poison dane yeah, <laughs> book, it's so true. it's definitely something to be nervous about um i'm sorry so let's get back to numer and dane's relationship right so one thing i want to say numer is 27 dane is 15 yeah he's a lot older in this her. book <laughs> it's the largest age gap in any of the Tamara pierce series sure, yeah. Um, George and Alana were, I think, nine years apart. It was eight or nine years apart. Well, he was 17 in the first book, and she was like... Ten. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so seven years. Yeah. Um, ten or eleven. Yeah. It, it's, it's less. Yeah. Um, it's definitely less. I... I'm sorry. I don't mean to hijack this. No, it's you. okay. I found an interview with Tamara Pierce mm-hmm. about this very oh, that's topic. Great. Cool. Um... Because I'll, yeah, I wanted to get to this topic, um, but there's just so much going on in this book that we keep yeah, diverging. I this so is going to be a, a doozy. I'll, I'll, but a fun doozy. A fun right? doozy. And a delight doozy. Doozy delight. Doozy delight. <laughs> Dee <Dee-dee. laughs> So Grace, um, you, you talk about the article and then I'll talk about my, because okay, this is the where the romance starts, but it really like. It culminates in, in the fourth book. The Realm of the Gods. Yes, yeah, so we won't get into it too much, but we'll, like, I, we could just talk about it in general. So. I actually am more comfortable with their relationship now than I was when I was young Mm -hmm. because now I understand maturity and the way that maturity can be fluid. Mm -hmm. Dane has lived a lifetime of experiences by the time she's 13. Mm -hmm. Um, Her family, her mom and her grandmother are killed by raiders in their village. She Mm -hmm. has never met her dad and doesn't know who he is. Mm -hmm. She has all this wild magic within her that she doesn't know how to use. She goes and lives in the forest with wolves and becomes a wolf, essentially. Like because the more 
intelligent and diverse people you have contact with, the faster you understand the world and you mature. And she's talked to... And also just straight hardship. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. these concepts that like a typical 13-year-old might not even be able to mentally grapple with, she's experienced. Yeah, and just the kind of things that she manages. Like, she's just not a, a child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think there's also something to be said for finding someone who has a shared experience with you. Mm-hmm. Something like wild magic that is barely studied, barely mm-hmm. acknowledged, and that most people don't really understand how to use. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not taught the way the gift is. Yeah. It's not so academic. Um, so I think that for both of them, it's probably an incredible relief to ha- have found one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can o- totally understand that blossoming into romance. So these, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and I, just to say, like, we're not advocating that 15-year-olds no, no, no. should no. date 27-year-olds. This is a, a fantasy universe. It's, and it's also, <laughs> okay, and this is what Tamara Pierce says, that it's set in a medieval society. Yeah. And she says, okay, here, I'm going to read a little from this interview. I'll put a link to this up on our Twitter when we post this. So interviewer asks her, um, you know, did anyone ever express doubt about Dana Numer? And she said that she thinks Numer is emotionally younger than his age and uh, Dane is older than her age. Good point. Um, and then after that, she mentions that she tries to say as often as she can, 16 is the age to marry among the lower classes and some even younger. I really cheat in some ways by having noble women marry at 18 when in our world they might marry at 9 or 10. Um, which is all true. In our history. Yeah, of historically. This world. Yeah. Um, and of course, the people in these books are a lot more woke than our historical figures were. <laughs> yes. Um, but that all makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I really appreciate that because I loved Dane and Numera as a couple when yeah, I was little. I, I really like it too. And I still love them now. And now I appreciate that, like, I, I feel more comfortable with it as well, even yeah. though I always loved it, because when I was younger, I was like, oh, God, that's such a huge age gap. But, yeah, I just, because of all the things that we're talking about as well, since this is a medieval society, and they don't actually ever have sex in the books either. Pretty sure they have sex in book four. They don't. They don't. Well, they hook up. They Yeah, they hook up, but Numer won't because he feels uncomfortable about it. He feels like it's wrong. Yeah, he, and he's also weirdly traditional about the relationship. He really wants to get married. Yeah. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Um, and she that's what Dane is and they get married like into. a week before she gives birth. <laughs> but she, that's that doesn't even happen. It happens in, in the in the books about Alana's daughter. Yeah. 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 So that does books. not happen in her books. No, it doesn't. And the, she's the next book in the, in the next book, mm-hmm. which is when there is actually some action between them. But they, I promise, they don't have sex. Okay. I remember that because I really wanted them to, because I was like fourteen, was like, yeah, fifteen yeah, when like I read thinking them. Of little metal and being like, do it, come on. Come on. Um, no, you're right. I'm. I'm probably. I'm probably mixing it up with the Alana books mm-hmm. because Alana has sex with a few different mm-hmm. people. Yeah, but she's um, very different from Dean. She's super different, super yeah. different. Um, yeah, no, the fourth book, The Realm of the Gods, was my favorite of the Dane books. Mm-hmm. and Also an excellent. I mean, if you're going to read one of these books, you have to read all of them. <laughs> I will say, though, I enjoyed skipping books one and two and just starting with book three because we got to go past all the figuring out my magic, yeah. inner turmoil mm-hmm. stuff, which is important. And, and, I, and it is a good read. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, and especially for rereading, it's like, mm, yeah, yeah, it's nice. I know to how that go goes. Past, yeah. And that kind of thing is always very stressful for me. 
I never like um, when people have some kind of power that they don't understand. So do you have a hard time watching any Marvel movie then? <laughs> you have to like close your eyes for the origin story. Yes, honestly, oh, that's funny. that all makes me kind of crazy. It's scary, you're right. And it, it's really, like, and the it thought has of the not having trajectory. dominion over your own body yeah. is a really terrifying one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I enjoy skipping that. But the realm of the gods, Dane and Numer are trapped in the gods' realm, mm-hmm. predictably. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, they're just trying to get out and go home, yeah. and there's a war going on that yeah, they need to be a that part they of. They have to be helping with. But then they end up just having this like big romantic adventure as they go through the realm, and it's just well, it's like, wonderful. And, and there are these dies, yeah, no, and all kinds Numer of stuff. saves her, and then they have like a passionate embrace, yeah. and like that's where and then they Numer have a declares fight his love for her. Yeah. Um, I also always appreciate that he is the one who's really like, yeah, I want to be together. I'm sure of it. And Dean's always like, okay, relax. Like, there's a lot going on she, right now. She does just want to, like, make out. And he's all like, no, you know. like, you're so young. Anyways. Anyway, okay. Wow. If we talk about every point for 20 minutes. <laughs> I do actually have one more thing to say okay, as ahead. well. That, you know, I don't really know how this plays out in terms of what it meant for me or you know in this world maturity or anything but I really loved their relationship because when I was 14 and 15 I was you know starting to be like you know I had or was going through puberty and was starting to be like oh man like I want to be like this sexual being and the people around me who you know I was always into men that were 14 and 15 were a disappointment. They weren't numerous. <laughs> that much. <laughs> 14, 15 year old Which, of yeah. course, you know, they were children. I was a child. Yes. But, like, the thought of, like, that she could be with this person who she was really close friends with and mm-hmm. who was really powerful and she was really powerful too and they, like, understood each other's powers and they could be together like that. Like, that just, I was so into that. And I, you know, just as an idea. Well, that makes so much sense to me. Because I think it, yeah, the these books hit on one of your like personal favorite things, but mm-hmm. it it it's more than that. It's like all your favorite things. Yeah. The uh, animal friends. Yeah. <laughs> you can talk to them and they like hang out with constantly her. present. I mean, there are moments when this felt like an older Disney movie yeah. because it would be like, okay, Dane says something, Zach says something, Kitten responds, and yeah. like always or Zach together. Gets freaked out and like pulls Dane's fun apart and hides in it. <laughs> No, it's um, it's really adorable, and I I like this better than that kind of Disney movie, obviously for a lot of reasons. But Zack and Kitten are always extremely helpful. Yeah, um, they're not like bumbling sources no, of problems the way a lot of animal friends yeah. are. And I think these books say really interesting things about animal rights. Um, mm, yeah, and true. how they should be treated. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's really a lot about keeping animals in captivity mm-hmm. because the emperor has um, a menagerie mm-hmm. that you know some of the enclosures are okay some are horrible mm-hmm. hyenas have been prophesied to bring about the emperor's downfall so he keeps them in a like smelly pit yeah. um, and they ultimately do bring him down but it's Dane as a hyena yeah, who I does love. it yeah. so awesome <laughs> Um, and there's a lot of 
talk about like which animals Dane is even comfortable with eating and which ones she isn't. She's been them. Right. Yeah. Which is super interesting. And it says a lot about empathy. mm -hmm, It does. Um, I, I did something that gave me pause is when Dane tries to make the animals in the menagerie more comfortable by giving them waking dreams to live in so that they're not facing their own reality Uh um which is complicated because i don't i mean we've talked about escapism a lot already on this podcast but i don't know if it's necessarily healthy to live in a fantasy world but if you have no way to change your reality is that ultimately helpful I mean, it's different than humans because... I know, and that's another point where I, I, I think I also pause because it's like, well, sometimes these books do treat animals like humans, mm-hmm. and sometimes they don't. But in this situation, they're not because, um, like, obviously Dane would prefer to free all of these animals. She wants them in yes, their actual habitat, but she can't. Like, she cannot do that. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, animals in this emperor's menagerie. So she does the next best best thing to her which is giving them the opportunity to dream about those places when they want to and honestly I don't think that that is a bad thing for them but I yeah I don't advocate escapism to the effect that you're not living in the real world anymore but for these animals I think it's perfectly acceptable (laughs) I know I think I was just kind of sticking on it but when I was younger I mean I still I still care very much about animal rights, but my feelings have changed somewhat in the way I approach um, how I yeah, carry out the way I treat and because, consume animals. Because to me, human rights have to come first now mm-hmm. in in all ways, shapes and forms. And that's not to say we should throw animal rights out, because obviously human rights abuses are very ongoing, yeah, always exactly. have been. Um, there's a lot to battle there and so I wouldn't want and when to we're s- continually failing in our attempts to treat all humans in the way that they should be treated mm-hmm. it's hard to, to say that we should be spending a lot yeah. of resources mm-hmm. on animal rights but then at the same time I would never want to say like oh we should throw out all the animal you know initiatives yeah. a caveat in, during this PSA we were vegetarians for many years but yeah. now we're not and now we're not we do eat meat yeah and I try um not to eat red meat mm-hmm. um and I don't eat a lot of meat period you know I think we're both happy to eat vegetarian when we can yeah well and it's things like this that I think about rereading this book because when I read it when I was younger I was not yet a vegetarian but was about to be Mm. um and now i've like gone through i mean i was a vegetarian for seven years um and it's interesting to look back at it it's it's hard because in these books animals are worthy because they are like humans you know what i mean more humanized yeah because they they have words they have these articulate thoughts when dane communicates with them they're not communicating in like grunts mm-hmm. and right. facial expressions and is, you know i do get the feeling though in these books sometimes that they are communicating just through the kind of thoughts that animals mm-hmm. have and dane just speaks all those languages yeah yeah but obviously that's not possible to put on a page yes. and have the reader get anything out of it so they have to um so she has to you know sort of translate it into words english no, I agree. And I think that it's also telling that 
Dane can't communicate with the immortals who are human animal mm-hmm. hybrids. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff to explore with the immortals as well. Well, she can't communicate thought transference wise with any immortals. She can with animal ones. The kitten's an animal one. She can with the griffin. I guess you're right. Yeah. I think kitten is Maybe just a dragon. Different about a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Dragons have their own rules. They, they know have a that. Lot of magic. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it's because she's so young. Yeah. I, there is a line somewhere in the book where she talks. She's telling the prince about it, mm-hmm. and she says like, "Kitten <clears throat> doesn't want to, or isn't old enough." Yeah. Or I love Kit. She's so cute, and there's such a cute little rendering of her on this book. Yeah. Our cover <laughs> is one that I love. It's, um, so it's great. the same illustrations or uh, it looks like the same artist as the one who did the Alana books Um, or it's at least an incredibly similar style if it's not um it's a painting of Dane in her fanciest court clothing Mm -hmm. yeah they do describe it in her hair they do yeah Yeah. they get the outfit right which I really appreciated that's the kind of thing I always pay attention to and with her on the cover are Zek, Kitten, one of the hyenas, one there's of like some a, of the birds. There's a shifty looking rat there. Yeah, there's really a rat great. because the rats end up working with Dane in exchange for, um, what, does she, what does she end up giving them? They she ask for food. She gives them a portion of the, the palace to uh, um, just scavenge just in for a year and a day oh, with right. no interference right, 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 from right. cats or dogs. I remember. Yeah. Yep. And that's why at the end she tells them to just, to, just you know, avoid that part of, of that house. area. Which is really great. It is incredible whenever she comes into a new area and the you know the shores are just filled with all yeah. the cats and dogs <laughs> coming out to welcome her. Because yeah, they love her. I mean, but she has to tell them like, "Go back home now." She's like, like she says, relax. "Thank you so much for this. I liked she's it so, so much." Yeah, she's so wonderfully <laughs> diplomatic with yeah. them. Um, but please go home because you're freaking everyone out. It does seem like it would be exhausting sometimes because everywhere yeah. she goes, animals are like, "What is this? Yeah, Who just are drawn you?" To her like she is some kind of goddess. Yeah. Um, because she is someone who can act as their link between yeah. the people and the two likers. I'm just drawn to her. I feel because she's she's amazing. Like she's so warm. Like she's mm-hmm. this great presence. And she's they very just caring. Wanna, yeah. So they're curious. And she, and she time and time again puts herself in danger, or at least in discomfort, to help animals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Every time she comes out of the menagerie, just covered in not just bird poop, but bird poop that has something wrong with it because the birds have been eating lead paint. Yeah, so it's like. <laughs> Let's like taking her clothes. Him. I think one of the biggest injustices is then when Ozorn is like, okay, come have breakfast with me so I can poison you. And Dane shows so up upset. and he's like, oh, just put a robe on over that. It's like, so no, upset. I know that I'm still covered. Have filth on yeah, them. I'm still covered in excrement. Yeah. Like putting a pretty robe on over it isn't. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I'm too excited. I'm Flailing. gesturing with my hands. It's not going to make a difference. Um, but speaking of that poison, yeah, little segue. Dreamflower? Uh, yes, I yeah. think that's what it was called. But it's in a pomegranate juice yeah. that Dane describes as very oversweet. thick and oversweet and like <sighs> thick juice. The thought of that I makes me... I have a real hard time drinking pomegranate juice because it I, is just like... I guess, bleh. yeah. It, it Regular pomegranate juice without um, any kind of sedation yeah. in it is <laughs> already... <laughs> pretty intense it's but like oversweet pomegranate juice <laughs> should we uh talk about the other pretend foods in the book oh, quickly yeah, absolutely 
Um, There's I, a lot of um, interesting dishes served at the. Oh yeah, yeah. The, banquet. the banquets. Yeah. yeah. There's. I mean. There's a lot of food in this book because it is a court book mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, um, and they're very concerned with the way things are happening yeah, within the court. And that's like all Varys does. She like yes. makes lavish banquets, she yeah. does like the cake, and yeah, she makes an incredible cake that is um, like a perfect replica mm-hmm. of the city. What what is their city? There, I mean, Carthag is the realm. I feel like their city is just. Page turning sounds. Get the page turning sounds. That's what the people come back for. <laughs> Looking at the map. Oh yeah. There it so is. we got Carthag and then Carthag. <laughs> I think the map literally has a point. <laughs> a point next to the shore that says Carthag and then a huge Carthag below it. So, so it's like it Mexico is, City. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, so the cake she makes is a perfect replica. It's gorgeous. Like, people can't believe it's real. But then the um, graveyard hag, the deity that uh, has been meddling with things, uh, puts a portal to just like an area absolutely filled with rats Imagine, in the cake. Yeah. So they stream out of it at this Everybody banquet. flips out. <laughs> well, and the rats attack people. They're yeah. not just. Mm-hmm present yeah, they're, they're, they're rats in the way that make people afraid of rats yeah. for good reason <laughs> <Bad> rats. <laughs> yeah rats in this book kind of get a bad rap i mean they're not are we are we rat advocates <laughs> speaking of animal rights <laughs> i mean there is a, rats. there's a movement right now to change the way people discuss sharks um because well, it's because led to huge problems with the shark population right, because people are starting to turn out of existence it's not a problem rats are rats. fine <laughs> <laughs> hashtag rats will literally bury us all hashtag rat rat the kit um but uh yeah, I don't know. I, I do think it's interesting to see how the different animals are portrayed based no, on these cultural ideas of who's valuable and who's not. Mm-hmm. But hyenas are another animal that a lot of people don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dane likes them. Oh, Dane yeah. Dane does and not really care for the in rats. This, I mean, in Karthak, they're holy. They're the animal, yeah. with, along with rats, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that represents the graveyard hag. Yeah. Anyway, I... Did, there wasn't a point in making like a full food list. I started oh, I, to. Um, I did want to say that the buttered rolls, those northerners, those Tortellans, <laughs> love their buttered rolls. Yeah, Every single one of these books, somebody's buttering and a roll. And I was like, Dane buttered a roll as she listened. Like, I just, I pictured these rolls like being so delicious too. And it really makes me want a nice buttery uh, roll. No, that's great. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I was trying to pin down their cuisine as related to dishes within our own world mm-hmm. and just like try to figure out what country it might be coming from okay. I think it's African like eel um, and snake and they I mean something that sounded good to me was pumpkin slices stewed with cumin and sea urchins in bay sauce but that's like so many different components there were uh, dormouse rolls yeah, and honey dormouse, and honey and sesame, sesame seeds, seeds which yeah. I know dormice dorm Mouses, dormice, <laughs> dormices. <laughs> we we were saying word dormouse, which definitely isn't right. So, which I'm pretty sure. I apologize for my cultural ignorance of the modern world, but I know that ancient Egyptians mm-hmm. ate dormice. Yeah, 
um, often like that, like like they would fry them and put stuff on them. And some of the body ornamentation that Ozorn does also struck me as Egyptian um, specific things, like lining and pulling Egyptian back the eyes. But uh, I should say Egyptian art, not like necessarily what people did, because right, there's a lot yeah, of uh-huh. misinformation about how people actually mm-hmm. adore themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the gold and the coal around mm-hmm. his eyes and yeah, yeah things definitely. like that. Um, there was also water with a, <laughs> with a mint. That on your list? <laughs> water. I'm a serious podcaster. <laughs> I uh, am very thorough. Um, water with a mint leaf is what I wrote down, and I remember Dean also getting that those like old grapes and stale bread after oh, she yeah. wakes up in that horrifying prison which is just Wait. a windowless room by the way I had an MRI last week and <laughs> it was one of the worst experiences of my life I know that that clearly I have not had a rough life but I couldn't help but think of that while I was reading about the windowless room just like being trapped yeah, oh my god room. I'm sorry what are you gonna say well about food and then we can move on um just one like lovely moment about like New Mare and Dane's buddyship and like their relationship and just how good friends they are how well they work together is when she knows that he can't eat super rich food mm. after he's been on a boat because yeah. he's feeling sick and she, and the sexy there is yeah it keeps like pushing up like all this food. super intense rich food on him and she tells some dogs like she gets she talks to them and she's like hey if you go sit by that guy he's gonna like, give you a lot of food so he, he looks down and sees like two happy dogs looking up at him under the table and then he like gives Dane the look of gratitude yeah that's an incredible <laughs> moment food to the dogs. I absolutely agree um, so I mentioned that thinking about immortals made me want to discuss storm wings mm-hmm. and they're really intense yeah they're unique figures um they i think they're chaotic neutral as far as i can tell well but they do feed on fear (laughs) they do (laughs) that's not great (laughs) just that neutral that's not great i know i i do i think do think they skew evil but but they're not that's on an individual basis they're not like it's not like wizards and dealing with dragons spiders are right yeah spiders are definitely more evil yes i agree but and storming's the book raises a lot of um ethically murky things about them and dane has mixed feelings towards them because sometimes she's like oh well like they need fear like that's what they eat that's what they need to live and have a happy life but then she also doesn't like stormings and it's like well if they have to make someone suffer with their existence like but then she develops, I mean, I don't know if I call it a friendship, but she becomes friendly with Rakash. Yeah, there are acquaintances um, that don't... And he helps her. Yeah, they they work together. They don't necessarily, they're not enemies anymore, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Well, and I just, I like fantasy Allies. novels, especially for teens, that allow for those shades of gray. Yeah. Because the real world is not filled with it immediately apparent good and evil forces and often books do have very black and white yeah, they really and simplify things good. Yeah. yeah just to guide the reader along and tell them what mm-hmm. they should know about this character as soon as they meet them Stormwings, also they seem like they're going to be very evil they're greasy and they have like bones braided in their hair they smell terrible they smell awful they foul <laughs> the dead 
Yeah. That they enjoy doing that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they, they like that. That's, uh, yeah, just a cool thing to do. Um, yeah. Movies? Well, and I also, I think the immortals that are animal and human are an interesting halfway point between two places and I think this book is concerned with that in other ways as well um like Dane is neither human nor a god Mm -hmm. um and I think that it's kind of exploring that concept of otherness in because a her, great way. Her father is a god, and her mother lives in the realms of the gods. Now that she's dead. she becomes a goddess. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's essentially um, what's the word I'm looking for when you're made into a saint after your death? Canonized. Canonized. Yeah, she's canonized. Um, deified. deified uh, yeah, and I think that Tamara Pierce's books are also explicit in mentioning race which Mm -hmm. ties into this as well well speaking of race within the book we can approach something that is has a racial basis in our world but doesn't seem to in this one which is slavery Um, i I feel like i kind of in that the people that they enslave are mostly um they say tribal peoples right they say a few different things. It's hard to tell exactly what the base for slavery is. Definitely political prisoners. And, and I do I think there are like prisoners, slavers just, that will capture anyone. Yeah. No, I think so too. I think it I think it comes down to like wrong place, wrong time yeah. for some people. Then there's also groups of people like the Banjiku mm-hmm, um, yeah. who have uh, uh, their own um they, I guess it's wild magic. They have, a, mm-hmm. you know, Some less sort of, less yeah, wild magic, magic than Dane, but they can communicate with animals mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Um, so they're very interested in meeting Dane. And they tell her that they were told by the goddess who imbued them with this power that they should be slaves. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the book, the badger god tells Dane, like, no, that is not what the goddess and intended. She tells that to and them. she tells yeah. that to them, and it makes them think about things a little mm-hmm. bit differently. Yeah. Um, and Dane tries to talk Kadar into abolishing slavery yeah. in mm-hmm. the empire of Karthak. And it just <laughs> was so depressing when he came back with, you know, all these economical reasons why that's not going to be feasible. Sounds pretty familiar. Yeah, really familiar. Um, but she gets him to say that he'll try. And he'll, and also he really wants to reward her because of the service that she's done mm-hmm. um, by putting him in power, especially since after the palace is destroyed, he finds documents that show that Ozorn was going to have him arrested and killed mm-hmm. for treason. For treason. Um, so she saved his life. And all she asked for is that some slaves be freed. Yeah. And it also made sense that um, I thought it was very realistic that some of them didn't want to leave because it was their home and it was all they'd ever known. Um, but Especially some of them are mutes, yeah. the ones who work in the palace, mm-hmm. because Ozorn didn't want them, you know, to be able to, to share his secrets. But that's incredibly disturbing because it seems like he probably made them mute. Yes. Um, yeah. And it would be extremely difficult to try to make a life on your own, especially a, it seemed person. like it. I don't know. It also seemed like she didn't she say that they should go to Tortal, yeah. like not stay in Karthak. Mm-hmm. So they're in an entirely new yeah. place. So kind of a, a misguided. She like, tried intentions, but yeah. she didn't know how to do this because she's in culture shock for a lot of the book. Yeah. I mean, she 
is confused about many mm-hmm. things that happen. Yeah. And this is her first time traveling, mm-hmm. really. Um, I mean, traveling outside of Tortal, at least. And I do, like, I appreciate that she came in and she did try to hold her tongue about cultural mm-hmm. practices, mm-hmm. which I appreciate because it, it that way it didn't feel like, you know, white saviorism. This is a big discussion in the international human rights law community, and it's something that I really struggle with. Is Madeline's where, a law student. Where is the line um, between, you know, going in and imposing Western ideas of morality and what is right and what is wrong and actually doing good and mm-hmm. going in and helping people who don't have a voice and who who are in um, situations where their rights are being violated and their lives are less off for it because you know that interference really has a way of throwing back to colonialism mm-hmm. and Western imperialism and just sit, coming into a culture and saying like you're doing it wrong yeah because Throw this we know out. better time for Christianity just like yeah all kinds of western imposition so i did appreciate that dane didn't come in this is why i was so staunch that i think she's white is because like she's in that role yeah um where she's coming in and just being like oh well these aren't my morals or anything but i was glad that she wasn't saying staunchly like you have to end slavery right now Mm -hmm. and um, I know the right way to do things and she, I did appreciate that she actually struggled like she didn't know the right way to do things yeah. but then I was disappointed that going forward it didn't seem like there was going to be any resolution hopefully I like to imagine that Kadar would the prince would find a way to systemically um, end mm-hmm. uh, slavery and find a way to help these people um, in a way that would be rooted in their culture because otherwise it would not work. You can't just come in with a system that works somewhere else in the world and maybe not even that well. And Tortal is under feudalism, Mm -hmm. which has plenty of its own problems. True, yeah. um, And its own human rights abuses. It's a different form of slavery. It's just not so explicit about it. Mm -hmm. So anyways, sorry if we're being ham-fisted about yeah. our discussion of, of race and slavery in this book, um, but I it's do always think hard it, to apply um, just systems from our own world to a fantasy to one, a yeah. fantasy world. But I think Tamara Pierce wants to have these kind of discussions. Yeah, I think that's why she she puts these mm-hmm. kinds of things in, and she makes and her main um, characters are typically outsiders of their own, mm-hmm. whether it's. Um, like Alana because she is a woman Mm -hmm. in a male job field. (laughs) Dane because she has this kind of magic. Mm -hmm. And then Kel because she's a woman trying to be a knight. But but yeah, I I wanted to have that conversation and you know, I'm glad that Tamara Pierce put this stuff in her book, like Grace said, because I think it's really important to think about and you know, any way you can start that conversation, it's good. Still plenty of misogyny in this book as well, oh, even yeah. though we're in Karthak. <laughs> um, but the archery scene where Dane bests all the archers is 
glorious. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> so much fun. And then they're instantly over being jerks to her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that scene alone is just really empowering yeah. and really fun to watch. She's just a really good archer. I used to want to be good at archery when I was young, and it was because of moments like that. Grace went to New Zealand, and <laughs> she incurred a wound, not from, you know... This makes it sound like I went on an archery trip to New Zealand, which okay, is she went to New Zealand with very family. far from the truth. Madeline couldn't come on the trip. Our mom and our brother and I went to New Zealand. We were in a tour group, and they booked us for a morning at an archery range, and I stabbed myself in the head with the end of an arrow by mistake. Not, not while shooting or, no. like, getting shot at or anything. No. She actually thrust her face into an arrow and blood. The best part was we're in like rural New Zealand on the South Island and I came out of the little range area into the main room of the the archery range and everyone who worked there was just staring at me. Like they weren't (laughs) laughing. They were just stunned. They were like, I have literally never seen anyone do that before. Um, and there was blood the pouring down my face. Yeah, from face wounds the bleed wound, a lot. <laughs> which was like just hidden below my scalp. Um, yeah, but it was great. That that was the height of my archery career. I the I pictures, yeah, yeah. If I can find the picture of me bleeding, I'll put that on Twitter as well. That'd be really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows what I look like thus far, so it's a good way to introduce you. To a the, really sad picture of me of with Grace. blood on my face. Um, would would Twitter allow me to put up a blood a picture with blood in it? What are the rules about that kind of thing? If you don't know, then I certainly (laughs) do not know. (laughs) That's what I want to (laughs) hear. Okay, well, this is a good um, segue because we're talking about personal embarrassment. But something I noticed starting the book is that Dane is just blushing constantly. Yeah, she always feels ashamed. And what is that? Like, is she? Is it because she's in a new place and she's just nervous and embarrassed? I mean, I it's like... I think it's because... There's a point in the book where it's like a response to everything anyone says or does. The, well, this, this society is one where um, women have a much, much more traditional role. Um, and Dane is struggling with that because she's... Like, she enjoys her femininity, but... Yeah, way more so than Alana. Yeah, but and she, she likes... Also, being softer and prettier. Mm-hmm. But she also appreciates um, being like able to be masculine when it suits her, which is quite often, you know, she's running around in the woods with animals. She's not like wearing a, yeah. a beautiful dress. <laughs> yes. It's much easier for her to wear breeches. Um, but like in this society, she just always feels like people are judging her because like mm-hmm. she's doing the wrong thing or something. And that's when she ends up blushing. And she's really young to be brought on this mm-hmm. trip yeah. people keep questioning why she's there and it, like men keep smiling at her and mm-hmm. like flirting with her and she's just she gets her nose tweaked a couple times yeah. <laughs> nose tweaking yeah, i love the nose tweaking <laughs> yeah Kadar actually tweaks her nose yeah. way, it's really cute yeah i really Numer always tweaks her yeah, nose I, um i love that nose tweaking is romantic in yeah. multiple tamara pierce books really but cute but then it could also be very affectionate yeah and, sure. Or the way that um, they, they say Numer cups her face with a giant hand. 
<laughs> it's always a great visual. Yeah, really enjoy it. Um, I love the friendship that springs up between Kadar and Dane. Yeah, especially because at the start they are both just like sullen teenagers with one another. Like, oh brother, we have to hang out. Yeah. This isn't gonna be yeah, fun at all. But then they, yeah, they become friends. Kitten and um, Zach really help. I mean, it is guys. It's easier to make friends when you have yeah. a. Adorable oh animals gosh. and mythical creatures. Dragon on your hip, a marmoset <laughs> in your hair. People it's want just, to be your friend. So um, I uh, will also say that Dane seems like she would be someone who is really fun to be around, especially in that time and place, because I, I noticed this when she was talking to Lindhall that she just routinely comes up with these groundbreaking scientific findings yeah. because she can talk to animals and right. ask them and what's going on. they're all trying to do it from the outside in. Yeah, he starts talking to her and he's like, I heard that you discovered that bats use a system of squeaks to hear and communicate with one yeah, another. she's just and like, she's oh, like, yeah. yeah, echolocation. I've met a like, bat. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it is. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, so it would definitely be fun to have conversations with her. I think that... I think this book, um, it has a great sense of history to it mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, like it is concerned with not just uh, the biological world, but an archeological past mm -hmm. of Tortal and Carthag. Yeah. It's super cool that there are fossils and yeah. dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. It makes the world seem much older. They actually talk about the extinction of dinosaurs and mm -hmm. say that it was a God's mistake yeah. that caused them yeah. to disappear. Uh -huh. Which cool. is really interesting um, because the gods in many fantasy series are infallible and mm -hmm. they're, nothing they do can have very serious consequences. Yeah. But yeah. this feels more um, like Greek mythology. Yes, very much so because these gods are very, um, they're gods on Mount Olympus. Mm -hmm. They, uh, you know, come down and mess with the mortal stuff, usually trying to do good stuff almost always trying to do good stuff actually so not quite like the olympian gods who are often just completely self-interested mm -hmm. and really mucking things up because they want to right exactly <laughs> these gods are on mortal sides as yeah. long as mortals appropriately act towards them yeah. which ozorn was not and that's why the gods were so angry at him yes Sorry, I'm trying to come up with a segue for my next things. I'm down to like well, some random thoughts. This is a good segue anyway. Uh, this is an amazing and now, segue. And now, a segue. And now this. <laughs> um, there are a few running uh, Tamara Pierceisms that I really enjoy, especially rereading a few of her books within a couple months of each oh, other. Yeah. Um, one is incredible detail to clothing yes. at all yes, times. Yes, I do really like that. Um, mm -hmm. She clearly loves costumes mm -hmm. um, and you get a really good feel for what the people look like and they're wearing yeah and I really appreciate that a lot mm -hmm. of books aren't very explicit in terms of appearances mm -hmm. or garb yeah. mm -hmm. you know they'll give you like oh like dark hair like high cheekbones but then it's like but he was wearing a potato sack you'll never know <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell you <laughs> they're all in potato sacks um, and then also the compulsive naming of things showed up again <laughs> Like to the point where 
it almost felt absurd, like with Bone Dancer coming to life, um, uh, or you know, I should say a skeleton coming to life, yeah. and Linal immediately yeah. being like, "I'll call you Bone Dancer." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, did you a, just have that one on the yeah. back burner? There, it's a temporary living skeleton. Yeah. I mean, although Bone Dancer does he hangs around because he's, hang out. he wants to be around too. Unlike the other um, creatures that Dane brings back to life, which is really fun because the graveyard hag gave her that ability. Later, when she talks to Dane about it, she says, I thought you would bring human corpses back from and the dead. So that they I would wanted dance an undead. In the streets. <laughs> I wanted undead dancing in the streets to freak people out. And Dane and is just like, No. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe it would have gotten the message across, but as Dane argues, mm-hmm. then they just forget about it they, eventually. They feel like it they was need, a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, they need something mm-hmm. that's really going to stick, aka the destruction of their palace. Yeah. And the sight of a T-Rex storm in the halls. Yeah. yeah. Which is just awesome. It's a really effective It sequence. made me want a movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and made it's just me really like so enjoyable and so well done. And like, I just, I just love the cathartic uh, wrecking of the palace and how well yeah, just she stomping down it. your enemies yeah. mm-hmm. um, without, without harming people or at least yeah. harming as few as mm-hmm. possible because there are soldiers who pop yeah, up but there are also people them, who are melting the dinosaur bones right so. she tells them don't hurt anyone who runs right are you looking for another segue no no I, I'm just thinking <laughs> I'm just thinking she's looking into space I was like here comes another segue no I was just, I was just <laughs> thinking about Dane as a hyena facing down it's a really cool book. I highly And her highly saying that she'll never forget his scent for the rest yeah. of her life. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I love I love real um like real deal mortal enemies of mm-hmm. the style like from Harka Vagrant. Um, yeah. the yeah, yeah. sworn enemies who love one another. Yeah. Nemesis. <laughs> nemesis, that's it. Nemesis. nemesis. My nemesis. Um, yeah, if you guys haven't seen that comic, if you just Google Harkavagrant Nemesis, Kate Beaton will come up. She's yeah, amazing. Beaton, really Shout amazing. out. Um, yeah, and like Ozorn ultimately is Dane's cross to bear until mm-hmm. she does kill him yeah. and at the end of the next book. Yeah, even he's though the he's a storm in the next book, yeah. Okay, so a couple of things to wrap up. We... I do want to briefly discuss, this book is called Emperor Mage, and it seems like that is referring to Ozorn, but as the book goes on, I can't help but feel like Dane is the Emperor Mage, because she is the one who is communicating with the gods about what's best for that realm specifically. Like the Graveyard Cag, Graveyard Cag, the Graveyard Cag <laughs> is Karthak's deity, and she has no power anywhere else, but mm-hmm. she's incredibly important there. And she uses Dane to completely revitalize the region and their political system. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I'd never thought that before. Um, But it's interesting. (laughs) No (laughs) follow-up. Sorry. It's fine. I, Let us know what you think about the title. I just yeah. thought it was nicely ambiguous. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but let's do... Uh, yeah, so. No, let's, we've got one more segment. Um, we've got to cover... 
was my fault. I'm sorry. We've got a cover is this a young adult book. And with Tamara Pierce books, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Yes, they're absolutely. solidly young adult. And young adults should read these. They're so great. I think they're important. So wonderful. Um, and it's also, I know it is a lot of books, um, but it's so much fun to continue through the series um, in chronological order. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just as characters gain depth, and then you get to see them, you know, having kids or like winning these incredible battles and just their lives carrying on. Even after they're not the main characters, they still are on the sidelines of um, a future series yeah. um, about. Alana's daughter about Kaladri, um, which is really fun. And it was great having Alana in Emperor Mage uh, to help date yeah, Alana away. Yeah, just be around. Because we're like, yeah, like, this, yeah, this sucks. Like, this uh-huh. stuff is really difficult, but it's really it's fun just how it's got to be supporting cast filled out by people that were the topic of previous yeah. quartets. Oh, quadrangles. Quadrangles. <laughs> Uh, what were you going to say? You were making a face in the last, while I was talking about Kaladri and... No, it's done. Okay. Um, I haven't eaten yet today. <laughs> oh my god. I have a grumble. I made scrambled eggs and toast at 4.30 in the morning because that's what because my Grace life is, is like crazy. right now. <laughs> so I've eaten. Um, okay, so do you have any points you want to wrap up with? Um, Anything we didn't cover? I, no, I just want to recommend this book really, really strongly. Um, it's really important to me. It's so fun, and it it's just a, a good read. Highly recommend. And I'll say, having not read it for many years and coming back to it, it felt it felt less like a young adult book than um, Alana: The First Adventure did. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is that this was the you know the succeeding third, yeah. series, mm-hmm. um, and then the third book within it. Yeah. And I think Tamara Pierce's writing style does change over time as she grows and develops as a writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this book, it is a fast read, but it's not frivolous by any means. And as you've seen from our like lengthy discussion on slavery, <laughs> um, there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in it. Yeah, you can approach it on a few different levels. A lot of themes. Um, well, I think that's all for now. I hope we can cover more Tamara Pierce books. Yeah. Denny Berry music lover. <laughs> <laughs> um, or Madeline, I should say. Uh, but yeah, we really uh, have enjoyed revisiting them. Yeah. So if we could do one book from each of the main um, Tortal women's series, that would be, that would be really yeah. fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll space the next one out a little bit so that we can yeah. <laughs> pander to the people who aren't Tamara Pierce superfans, although it's hard because although we fall firmly in that camp. just read a couple camp. of her books, you, could, you, you can, can become you will one. Be. Yeah. <laughs> and she's so prolific. There's so much out there that yeah. I guarantee there's something for everyone. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time. If you'd like to learn more about Dragon Babies, you can find us online at dragonbabiespodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at dragonbabiespod. That's P-O-D, the first syllable of podcast. Songs used in this episode are Pippin the Hunchback and Thatched Villagers, both by Kevin McLeod and licensed under the Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can find his music at incompetech.com. Thanks for listening.